Today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. When it comes to choosing your healthcare provider, one of the most frustrating things can be network restrictions, but there's another way. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians who actually pay one another's medical bills without the use of insurance. As a Samaritan member, you can choose the doctors, the treatments, the hospitals that are right for you and your family. Just consider this. A medical emergency arises. You don't have to check with an insurance company to ask which hospital to go to. You just go. And after care is received, your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries and they'll notify members to pray and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. This direct member-to-member sharing approach is one of the many joys of being a Samaritan member. It's biblical, it's affordable, and you can join today. When the body of Christ comes together to pray and encourage and provide for one another, burdens are lifted and God is glorified. This applies to all areas of life, including healthcare. It reminds me of the verse in Galatians 6.2, which says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you're interested in becoming part of this amazing community, you can go to SamaritanMinistries.org forward slash dad tired. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash dad tired. Jeff, I'm so excited to be hanging out with you today, man. I know you have a just a huge heart and passion for men and for dads and to see guys really step into their role as a first a son of God and then as a husband and disciple maker of their family. So I'm excited to pick your brain, man. But before hmm. we jump into all of that, maybe just tell us who you are and, and what you're up to these days. Well, I'm married to Stacy for quite a while now, going on 39 years. I got wow. four sons. They're all married now, Kyle, Corey, Colby, and Keegan. We used up all the K names we could. <laughs> who am I? I've been discovering more and more that I'm a son of Abba Father even though I grew up with a really cool, inspirational, and significant leader dad. My dad was a pro quarterback for the Buffalo Bills when I was a little kid. He ran for Congress. He ran for a president when he was 50 years old, vice president uh, in 96. So he was always kind of bigger than life. And he was a super encourager and encouraged me that I have a great destiny. I'm a leader. My day is going to come, et cetera, et cetera. But I kind of over-interpreted that to mean I got to be a success. I got to be a big leader. I got to be significant. Mm -hmm. And so recently I've been discovering kind of the lie that, you know, the present version of Jeff isn't enough. And that has come as I've realized I have a perfect father who Mm -hmm. loves me simply as his son. So who am I? That's who I am. I'm I'm his son. And if I'm going to do anything, it's got to come out of my relationship with him and make sure the glory goes to him. So my journey, I played pro football. I was a free agent with the Rams and played uh, five with them, one with the Niners, one with uh, five with the Seahawks. And my last year was with the Eagles. Usually I was a backup, got to start a couple of times, play with Steve Larger, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, be coached by Bill Walsh, you know, played with Reggie White, Mm. got discipled and trained how to be a man during that time in the NFL mm. and then ended up needing a ton of help in our marriage because Stacy and I were so outrageously different, our mm. personalities. Yeah. Uh, but we're also strong leaders. Like she's a 99, I'm a 97 on some leadership <laughs> tests. So uh, we think our way is right, but our way is different. Yeah. So we got, Jared, we got a whole lot of help for our marriage at some pro athlete conferences and through some mentoring and just learning what God's blueprints were largely through teamwork. Okay. And then we started taking that stuff and sharing with our teammates mm-hmm. and then our neighbors and then our pastor asked us to do it with the young couples at church. We said, why us? He said, cause if you can make it, anyone can. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got into kind of the field of helping men develop as 
men, dads, husbands, and then the marriage and family strengthening field, which is what I've done kind of ever since I retired from football back in 92. Wow. I imagine with the way you described your dad, and then then you go on to play in the NFL for 11 years, so much of that has to really shape your identity. It's it, it's encouraging to me, man, listening to you and, and listen, even in that introduction, talking about what it looks like to be a son of God and to see my identity truly as a son. But there is a hint of like, I don't know if discouragement is the right word, but it's just like, it's just a check in my gut. Like you had a great dad who poured yeah. into you and you still at this age say, I'm still trying to figure out my identity. <laughs> you know, like, Well, you know what? I got a good idea from Ed McGlasson. Ed played for the Giants and the Rams back when I played, blew his knee out and went into pastoring. And he was raised by a military dad that was like super performance driven and motivated him. And it helped him make it to to a scholarship and then to the pros. And then he kind of found this relationship with God and became a pastor. But he realized at age 40 that he was losing his wife's heart. He was losing Mm. his daughter's heart. Mm. This Christian thing, this do the right thing, do what the Bible says, muscle up and power through. It wasn't working in relationships and Mm. it, it didn't bring harmony and peace. And what he realized was he was performing Christianity just like he used to perform athletically. And so he said, man, I think I need to be refathered by the, my real father. So at age 40, he asked God to refather him wow. and started reading the Bible as a, a son, not as a Christian, and mm. talking to God as a son, not as a you know Christian quote or a searcher. And it changed everything for him. So I took Ed's advice and I went on that journey when COVID began because I had a lot of time at home. I'm a speaker and my, all my speeches got canceled and right. I had no travel. And so I just started saying, Father God, show me who you are. Show me who I am. Let's build our relationship. Um, refather me. And oh my gosh, I feel like I hear so much more from, from God now. And mm. like when I read the Bible, it's not dry information or something I'm trying to prepare so I can give a speech to someone. Right. It's like, Abba, Father, this daddy that Jesus called him Mm. is speaking to me. And it's changing the way I parent my grown sons. Mm. It's changing the way I husband. It's changing my friendship. Mm. And it's led to the vision of what I want to do with the rest of my life, which I do a lot of things. Jared, I'm kind of Jeff of all trades, master of none. (laughs) Um, And there's some strength and weakness in that. But I've learned that no matter what, no matter who I speak to or what I'm talking about, if it's, you know, one guy, 10 or a thousand, I want to leave behind something that can sustain life change, Hmm. whether it's salvation or kicking alcohol or kicking porn or becoming a better dad or husband, you need a team. Everything in life needs a team. Hmm. And I don't think we have team as dads. I don't think we have a team as men. I don't think we have a team as Christian men. And I know who doesn't have teams, leaders. They have teams to do stuff, but they absolutely don't have teams of friends, like two guys that really know them, that connect with them weekly, where they drop their guard. They're just a dude. And someone can call their bluff. Someone can pray for them. Someone can encourage them in their marriage. Somewhere they can process what's going on, pride, lust, ambition, fear, insecurity, addictions, ambition, man, all of that needs, needs a team. Hmm. And I, you can't do this on Twitter. You can't 
You right. can't do it in a men's Bible study of 10 guys, but you can do it with two deep trusted friends. But I don't think men really even know what deep friendship is or how to have it or that they can. COVID isolated us more than ever. That's kind of my calling is to leave behind a vision for friendship like Jesus had with his guys and the consistency of connecting every week. I call that huddling. And then I just give guys some coaching on, you know, talking to each other in a constructive way. Like, Hey, what's the most important thing you need to talk about this week? Hey, what's the most important thing I can, I can pray for. Or a third question. What's father God saying to you in the word, Mm -hmm. in the word of God? Which, you know, if you don't read the Bible, it might trigger you to think, I might want to read that book sometime, not just as a intellectual exercise or a spiritual check the box thing. Right. No, but to hear from this Abba Father. So that's kind of my life vision. And and it's happened these last couple of years. Hmm. When you, uh, as you're going through this journey of being refathered, was, are there any, like, you mentioned you had a friend kind of speak into you, like challenging that. Were you reading any? Were, yeah, were you were you reading any books, or have you found any books or resources, particularly on that topic alone, like being yes. fathered by God? Yes. What did um, you read? I just forwarded. You know, you got to be careful forwarding things to to grown sons, uh, to because unsolicited advice is criticism. <laughs> but I have a son that really opened up with me and shared with me some things about identity and mm-hmm. shame wanting to do better, but not doing better. And I said, dude, I totally understand. I got a lot of help from this refathering process when I read this book by Dave Patty. And the book's called Father God, Mm, Daring to Draw Near. And I got a hold of it right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I kind of let it be a little bit of my game plan for this journey of being refathered. Yeah, And it was really helpful. it asked you to figure out what's the lie you've been listening to in your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. For me, that was that the present version of Jeff isn't successful enough, isn't significant enough. Mm. And then what's the idol in your life? And the compensating idol that you develop off of the lie that the enemy speaks to you. For me, it was the future ger- version of Jeff is going to be better. So I was idolizing future significance, Man. future improvement, future yeah. levels of achievement. Most of the guys out there, they know what ambition is. They know they don't feel like enough. Their dad didn't totally let them know, dude, I'm proud of you. No matter what, you got what it takes. You're a stud. You're a good man. They didn't hear that. They kind of heard either you don't quite measure up or someday you will, or why can't you be like this? Some guys even hear, hey, hey, doofus, what's wrong with you? Right. I coached a kid in sports one time, Little League, and I think it was his dad, pulls up to the parking lot, didn't walk out on the field like all the other dads after practice to get their 11-year-olds. This dude just yells, hey, doofus, get over here. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Man, Jared, my heart just sank and my gut hurt. And then there was some steam and anger in me that made me want to go over and throttle. Hey, your, your fist clench as well. Yeah. 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 And, which yeah. I did. And I just told the dads, hey, let's double down yeah. on affirming this young boy. and valuing him and speaking well of him and building him up. Anyway, I learned that the lie of present Jeff isn't enough, the idol of future Jeff. And then uh, Dave Patty's book said, why don't you see what sin has become your your habitual Mm. problem? And for Mm. me, it was a discontentment Mm. with my circumstances because I wanted everything to get bigger and better. Mm. So that leads to ingratitude and ingratitude messes everything up. 
Yeah. You know, consumers in America are trained to be ungrateful and unsatisfied right. with what we have so that we'll buy the new thing. Right. That book really, really helped me. And then I just started asking God questions in my journal. Father, what do you want me to know? What do you want to teach me? Um, what do you think about me? What do you like? And I, I put a box when I ask God a question. And then over the next day or two or in the Bible or in a sermon or on the radio in a conversation, I feel like an answer ends up coming. How long have you been journaling? How long has that been? Uh, I've had a journal since probably the beginning of football, but I, I used to write in it like every two weeks, you know, okay. just a little entry. Yeah. And then there were seasons in my life where it would be like my notebook of Bible study, other seasons of life where I tell stories of what happened with my kids. This season of life, it's basically listening to God and writing down what he tells me. And I, I kind of like, I'll take a passage in the Bible and rewrite it into bullet points or something personalized to me. Yeah. You think that's helpful for guys to, to journal? Sometimes The reason yeah. I ask it, because I think sometimes what you're journaling, what you just described in your recent journal you know, questions is it takes self-awareness and it kind of forces you to be self-aware by taking what's in your head and writing it down. And yes. self-awareness is like one of the hardest things to do, to look at yourself objectively or to try to. And that's what the Holy yeah. Spirit does. That's what the scriptures do. They hold up a mirror to who we are. You know, it's really a gift. We, in it, in you know, who else sense. does that yeah. is one or two deep friends. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the friendship thing here in a second. You said objective to be self-aware. First of all, you got to know you're not. Yeah. Right. Right. Secondly, you have to want to be self-aware. Right. And thirdly, you need to put yourself in front of some objective sources that can give you input on what you're like. So put yourself in front of God, let the Holy Spirit speak, put yourself in front of the word and ask it to speak to you. Yep. Put yourself in front of a close friend or two and say, hey, what am I like? What do you see? Let's process this. Here's my thinking on what I want to do this month or with my business. You're not even self-aware of what's going on or you to go through some interaction and argument or frustration you have with your wife or something that happened with yeah. your kids. I do this yeah. all the time. And when they hear it, all of a sudden a different perspective comes to me and I go, wow, that was really selfish of me. Or, oh, that was mm. short-sighted. Mm. And they're not even like criticizing me. They're just like, right. Hey, is that going to work out well for you? Or <laughs> right. do you, have, do you have pretty good credibility. Good yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I was going to say, I told one of my friends in my huddle friend, Greg, one time, Hey, there's this thing I want to talk to my, uh, my son about, here's what it is. And he goes, huh, do you have much credibility on that issue? And I mm. said, not really. And they said, well, and do you think it'll turn out pretty well? I said, no. I said, oh, well, you might want to think about that. <laughs> I became self-aware right. in the presence of a friend that was deep. Right. Right. And you said it comes from the presence of God. And then you said, it also helps if you slow down to actually journal yeah. your thoughts and process. So yeah, I don't call it a diary. I don't call it a wimpy, emotional journal. I call it the place where I can record my conversations with God mm. and kind of address what's going on with me so that I can right. be a better version than I would have been. I think a lot of times guys, in my experience and personally in the church and then you know, leading men, I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning of our conversation where you're talking about, we just don't feel like we're doing a very good job ourselves. And a lot of times we measure that by behavior. So I don't have my behaviors down. So I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not getting up and doing any kind of time with the Lord. I'm not praying that much. I, yeah. I, I'm struggling with lust or addiction or whatever the thing is. We're just kind of measuring all of our behaviors. And it's like, ah, 
Well, and, and I loved your your openness and your humility to say, you know, this was an idol for me to really believe I'm going to be some better version of myself. And then the lie too with that is God will probably like me a little bit more once I get my behavior in check. Yeah. Right now he's frowning. Yeah. If I do this stuff right, maybe he'll stop frowning and, and maybe even occasionally smile. Right. That is totally a lie. Right. Jesus died on purpose to forgive everything. And it says, if you receive him, that God made Jesus the perfect man who never sinned to be the punishment for sin. So we could be made what? This is in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We could be made righteous like Christ, which means God can accept us and smile on us, even when we're messing up with porn, even while we're an idiot in in an argument with our wife, even when our ambition and greed is screwing us up, even when we've decided not to talk to our son to punish him for being a jerk. You know what? God would never do those things to us. And he also doesn't frown at us because all the crud is taken care of in Christ. Hmm. And he literally sees all things at once. So he knows who you'll be in heaven for eternity. He knows who you'll be 10 years from now. He's already given you credit for that change, transform, healed, righteous version of you. He just wants you to see his love for you, receive it, and then see yourself through his eyes. That'll help us perform better. Like, I think you probably said the same thing. We don't earn our identity. Right. Although everyone's trying to. Right. We receive our identity. And if you live from your identity, like I'm a beloved son, I'm already forgiven. I do not need to measure up. My audience is not the NFL. It's not the media. It isn't the corporate, you know, quarterly report. It's not the guys who have nicer cars and a vacation home compared to me. It's not the guy who looks like the perfect Christian and hasn't had a, you know, any junk in his track record like I do. Uh-uh. What does Father God, what does Abba Father say about you? Uh, and if you receive that identity, then you husband differently. Yep. You treat your ex-wife differently. Mm. You treat your kids differently and you tell them honest stories about your weaknesses because you don't have to impress anyone anymore. Yeah. You know, wouldn't Christianity be cool, Jared, if we were telling about our weaknesses rather than hiding them for two years until we blow up with an addiction or a divorce and our leaders were humble in mentioning their weaknesses rather than getting caught in some scam or some affair. Right by the public. And Jesus said, man, you know, when you're weak, you're strong. Or Paul said that, but that's the point. Right. Yeah. That, I've always thought that was interesting, man. It's, it's the one thing that we have in common as believers that we are all really, really jacked up and in need of grace. <laughs> it's the one thing that unites us. We absolutely need a savior. And yet it's the one thing we never want to talk about. We all know it's the one thing that unites us that brings us together is we all believe that we desperately need a savior to save us from our wickedness. And then when we say, well, what's your wickedness? Let's, let's try to talk about it so that God can, you know, let's, as Paul, as you just mentioned, let, I'll, I'll boast my weakness so that I can point to how crazy God's grace is. And yet we never actually do that. And so it kind of goes back to the friendship thing. Because a lot of times when we think about friendships in the Christian circle, most guys I think would say, well, man, I've got some good friends, but they're not my Christian friends. My Christian friends are my shallow friends. My Christian friends are, you know, we get together and it's, Hey, how are you? I'm good brother. How are you? And we shake your hands and, you know, but we don't really talk about deep stuff. But then when I go to work, those guys are real. And those why guys, is that? Yeah, why, why what, Jared, do you think the Christian friendships are kind of the surface, shallow, cautious, and maybe some guys at work who don't have any God stuff. They'll talk about anything. Well, why is that? 
I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. It's the, I'm afraid to talk. I've put my identity in what I do and I'm supposed to be a good guy now because I, I claim to be a Christian. And yet secretly, I'm not that great of a guy. Right. And, yet, and my, the guys at work, they don't have any secret. <laughs> they're just sharing all the crap, you know? And so they're, they're, they're not trying honest. to, they're not trying to live up to a, a moral vision mm-hmm. of what kind of guy to be. They're just trying to be successful and happy. Yeah. And they know that they're jacked up, but they keep trying a bunch of stuff, counterfeits and other stuff to right. get it. Meanwhile, the Christian dude, he's thinking, I got to look a certain way yep. and it's got to have a Christian veneer to it. Yep. And I'm not doing so well with it. So I'd rather not be exposed and look like a failure. Yep. And then accidentally, the church culture kind of fosters that, you know, look good in the Christian setting or the, the Instagram post of your little Christian, you know, Bible verse family or the Sunday church service. But the reality is that we are totally being tricked by the enemy because if anyone knows what's really going on in you, it's another Christian dude who aspires to be like Jesus, but is living way differently and knows he falls short. Right. And if you could both say, Hey, how about we define our friendship as confidential committed, loyal, we got each other's back, and honest in the sense that we're going to just self-disclose what's going on. We're not going to be the moral police who ask each other accountability questions each week, and then we give a partial answer and hide from the full answer. Yeah. We're just going to be friends who process our life together. If, if guys could actually define their friendship and know that it was safe and that they wouldn't be exposed or betrayed. Yeah then they could self-disclose and be real. And all of a sudden that, that realness makes you stronger and it weakens the power of sin. I went to lunch with my huddle buddy, Greg, one day. I actually was with Pete. Uh, Greg couldn't be with us. And I'd been on a speaking trip to do an immense conference. And I had been listening to a couple having sex in the room next to me mm-hmm. and kept the music down and my ears off the pillow so I could swallow this auditory porn. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't ask for it, but I ended up welcoming creeping at your door. Yeah. And it swallowed my brain for that whole night. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the next day I actually walked slowly by their room, wondering if I'd hear anything again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I knew, okay, I wasn't exclusive to my wife. I compromised on my allegiance to God. I fell short. I felt pretty dumb about it. You know, here I am. I probably spoke about Jesus and husbands and marriage and how you know porn doesn't help and blah, blah, blah. So I knew though on Monday at lunch, when I got together with, with Pete, mm-hmm. that my commitment is to self-disclose what's going on in my life, particularly in the area of lust, because I have two big challenges, my I call them risk areas. One is my pride and ego that wants to be significant. And the other is the female body and my eyes attractions to them. Lust. I don't want another woman besides my wife but I love to look at women's bodies in a not so wise way. So I'm committed to disclose that. So I just said to Pete, even before I started eating chips, dude, I got to let you know, uh, I messed up this weekend. Here's what happened. I told God about it, but I want to confess it to you because that's stronger. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm sorry. He smiled at me. He didn't think I was a schmuck. He smiled at me. He said, dude, thank you. Thanks for being straight up with me. I I respect that about you. And then he confessed something he'd been struggling with sexually. Mm -hmm. And we were both like, 10 times stronger, even though we just admitted 
we're 10 times more jacked up than we'd given the impression. That is the power that Christian friendship can have. And none of us are hardly getting it because we're not connecting with guys each week, A. And B, we haven't defined our friendship as loyal and safe and confidential and self-disclosing like this. What you just described is exactly what I think the, the scriptures describe as what the church should be, what guys should be for each other. And yet what you also described is ridiculously rare, like ridiculously rare. How do you get that? Like, did you initiate? I have two questions from that one. First, thank you for sharing. So honestly, one is, do you initiate like someone's got to be bold. Someone's got to be the first one to like be vulnerable and say, all right, man, I need some help in this. Cause I've got a lot of things spinning through my mind. Oftentimes, especially when I was younger, it was always just like find an accountability partner, find an accountability partner. And then you go and it's like, well, did you look at porn? Did you cuss? Did you do, you know, it's just like, okay, well, dude, I don't know if I want to meet every Tuesday at 6am at Starbucks so that you can check my behavior. You know, like that feels exhausting. And I'm not, where's the life, where's the, where's the life in that? <laughs> where's the no joy? That? It sucked. It sucked the life right out of you, man. And so nobody wants to do that. So one, like, how did you approach these guys or did they approach you? And then two, and, and you've touched on this, but I just really would love to like nail that down, defining what this is going to look like. Cause that's the other thing guys might say, well, Hey, we should get together. But then it kind of stays in that like vague, uh, let's, well, should we talk about the Bible? Should we talk about our wives? Should we talk about our sports? Like, so those two questions, how did you actually find the friends who initiated that friendship? And then how did you define it? Okay. I'll try to be quick, but tie the pieces together. Playing football for 11 years and hanging out with men all the time and having some Christian buddies on those teams, I had that camaraderie and time built in. What I still needed to do, and that Steve Largent and Eugene Robinson and Kelly Stauffer and and Reggie White and, and other guys did with me was we chose to go deep and talk about the real stuff of life on the plane flight, on the bus ride, in our Friday morning team Bible study. But it happened most in friendships of, you know, one or two guys. All right. So I had that example of Christian brothers living constantly around each other. That was very helpful. The huddle made sense to me. Secondly, when I got out of football, I built a friendship with a guy that used to play quarterback in the NFL, Tom Flick, at the same time that I played. And he lived a mile away. And we used to get together every week and go hang for an hour and talk about our life, pray for each other's marriages, pray for our kids. We had similar careers. He was a corporate speaker. I was a you know men's and, and Christian and marriage speaker with a little bit of business and team leadership stuff. That pattern with Tom really helped me. And then I also was a part of a business leaders group in Seattle, C3 Leaders. And we did a quick check-in with each other every week. And we do kind of a zero to 10 assessment. And we did it on a whiteboard and it was sitting right by the table where we sat. Zero to 10, how are you doing with your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife, relationship with your kids, your personal health and balance, work, and then your sin or risk area? And then what's the biggest prayer that we can pray for? And we couldn't talk through all that each week, but it gave you a real quick x-ray of how you're doing, which guys don't have that. They're not so sure if their wife says, hey, how you doing? Right. Fine. They don't really know. But if you give a guy a little x-ray and I've got an x-ray, the self x-ray that I put together in the, the men huddle playbook that it runs through my head without even looking at it now. And same with Pete and Greg, but it helps you assess each of those areas. 
Anyway, just as a side note, I'm going to put that in the show notes if that's okay with you. So guys can see that and use that as a, the x-ray for themselves. Yeah. So, but my particular friendship with Pete and Greg, my huddle today of three guys, we were helped a little bit because we worked at family life and they encouraged us to have, I don't know if they call them accountability partners or prayer partners. It wasn't asking the questions. It was just get together with someone and support each other in prayer. Well, we all, resigned from the organization we worked at, Family Life, and chose to frame our friendship our own way. And I kind of pulled the huddle definition to it and the simplicity that we're committed, we're loyal, we're confidential, we're going to meet every week. If we got to do it by phone or Zoom, we'll do that instead of live. And if we got to reschedule, let's reschedule, but we need to be in touch each week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes the best we can do is text each other what's going on and what do we need to pray for. And then we have three questions. What's the most important thing going on in your life that you need to talk about? What's the most important thing that I can pray for? And what's Father God showing you and teaching you in his word? Those three are energizing. I mean, they lead to great conversation. We could use those three questions the rest of our life. Right. You know? So that's how my huddle happened. And then I put a second one together of guys that don't live around here, but they're in the same field of speaking manhood and fatherhood stuff like I do. And so we meet by Zoom and go through those questions. And man, we get right down to the heart of it really quickly, Jared. You leave very little room to dodge what's going on with just those simple questions. I mean, they're they're simple questions, but you leave very little room to wiggle out, especially if guys come in knowing that they're committed and they're going to be honest and they know that the guys they're meeting with are loyal and they've got their back. There's two big things there. Number one, you have to define what this level of friendship is. I call level five friendship, like Jim Collins, level five leadership, humble and simply dedicated to the cause. Level five friendship, that's friendship like Jesus would have with us. That's friendship like he trained those disciples of his to have with each other before he sent them out two by two. They were connected, serious, and consistent. So define friendship, A, and then B, have a format to your friendship by meeting. And getting down to the really important stuff real quickly. And it's really a lot more easy than we realize. You said someone's got to get honest and vulnerable first. Yes, it does help a whole lot if someone will go deep first. But those questions, what's the most important thing going on in your life that three guys are going to answer or two friends are going to answer, that'll get you deeper each week for the most part. And the way we start our huddles when they're just forming, Jared is, I'm going to tell you my life story this week. You can tell me yours next week. And the next guy can tell his the next week. I'm going to talk about my dad. And I'm going to ask you about your dad. And as soon as you talk about your dad's, it goes deep. The second question in your life story, that if a guy is just talking about business and college, and then we moved here, and then we moved there, and it's not getting anywhere, beyond asking him to talk about his dad and his relationship with his dad and how he sees himself based on that relationship. Ask me, hey, what what have been the biggest blitzes you've been through in life? What's hit you the hardest? What's been painful? What's been tough? As soon as the guys start talking about that, now they got some of their secrets out out on the table. And if they feel respected and affirmed in that, which the other guy is actually going to say thank you when he tells you, hey, I'm an alcoholic. I had a problem back in the military and blah, blah, blah. Whoa, I didn't know that. Or I had a divorce a long time ago. I feel bad about it. Dude, thanks for sharing that. You respect him more, right? not less. Right. You're 
incentivized to open up and disclose yourself the same way. That's a natural a human instinct, as long as you know it's safe. And no one knows what's safe today because this is the age of criticism, comparison, social media. We're all kind of living in glass houses, right? This is an antidote to glass houses. This is a brotherhood. This is a friendship. This is your safe huddle. And that's why I call it teamwork. Men need teamwork. Pastors, they're probably the least connected to Absolutely. trusted, open, disclosing Absolutely. friendship. Their, their job is lonely as heck. Yep. Yeah, well, there's data to back that up. <laughs> there's a lot of data that I know Barna has done a lot of research on that. Um, pastors, one of the most lonely and isolating and yet in need of what you're talking about. You have a website. I, I was going to the website as you're talking about. So if you go to Jeff Kemp team, then you, you put a lot of this in. What like what can guys find on there? Probably you, the, got, you got a yeah, lot Jeff, of this. Men the easiest stuff. thing, if they, if they want a description of level five friendship and a description of huddling and a little game plan, a playbook on how to get started, what to do each week, what to share with your friends so he knows what you're talking about. Yeah. You can just go to menhuddle.com, which is one of the tabs at jeffkempteam.com, but menhuddle.com, and you'll get the pop-up, and you'll also see the invitation for the free Men Huddle playbook. It's a PDF. It's only like 12 pages of written content, a couple pages of pictures, color of men for us you know, football player guys. <laughs> yeah. It's really designed so you can share it with a couple other guys, and you can all get on the same page real quickly. And you kind of know what's the game plan for our friendship and forming this huddle. And I designed it so that you could take it and run it through your natural mission with dads yeah. and that a, a, a men leader can take it through his natural mission with guys in the church. Yeah. Hardly any of which come to any of the men's programming. Right. Exactly. Right? If there even is a men's ministry at the church. Right. Uh, what about a, a Christian business guy who would love for the, the men in his life and his business to actually have a little team around them. He could take the playbook, share it and say, Hey guys, find your own friends. We're not talking groups of 10 groups of five. We're talking two other guys. Yep. So yeah, it's menhuddle.com and that's where they get the, the playbook and download it and share it. You said that at the beginning that every time you speak or you interact, whether it's with one guy or a thousand guys, you want to leave them with something to, I remember exactly how you said it, but you know, give them yeah. something that's life change that, that will actually sustain, sustain the progress, whether it's healing or growth. Yeah. So what's the thing for our guys as we're talking today? I think a lot of guys are going to listen to this and it's like, there's something in their gut that's like, dude, I want that really badly. And that also terrifies me. I want to be part of that. And I'm also scared to death to be part of that. So I guess, what do you say to that? Okay. I'll give him this. Number one, the scared to death part is a lie from the enemy just like shame that says you suck, you don't measure up, you'll never qualify, you might as well just hide out and stay where you are. That's a lie from the enemy. If you ever do something wrong, God's spirit gives you guilt and you feel it in your conscience, okay? And reading the scriptures really opens some of those issues well. It's a good mirror to your life. But guilt is an invitation from God to say, I messed up, I did something bad, please forgive me, get me back on the track. Yeah. Shame is something from Satan, the devil, the enemy, saying, you are bad and you'll never change. So, I mean, Satan is so wild. He says, there's no rules. Do whatever you want. You're in charge. You can sleep with her. You can play with that junk. And then as soon as you do it, he turns into a moralist and he says, 
oh, you are the least qualified Christian in history. You're so immoral, so nasty, and you're going to be like that forever. Just stay there in your little house of shame, you little puny man. That's a lie. So ask yourself the question, where's this voice coming from? So I'm telling dudes, do not be afraid of this friendship. It's not real. That's a fake fear. Did you get burned before? Sure. Uh, Did the friendship not work out well? Yes. But was it defined? Did you handshake on it? Did you commit to it? Uh, Did you both know you were going to be confidential and actually agree on it and have each other's back? No, in most cases. So I guess I would leave behind, number one, the vision that it isn't scary and you don't need to be afraid of it and that it's liberating and joyful and a great way to live because we all love friendship and we all love teamwork and camaraderie. Okay. And this is the way Jesus said to live in unity, in brotherhood, Mm. as a team. Come on. Mm. Christian men ought to have this in spades. Yep. All right. And then I would just leave behind, grab the men huddle playbook as your tool to start taking the steps and pray, God, who are the guys you want me to be deep friends with and huddle with and get a couple ideas, send it to a guy, say, let's talk about this. If he agrees to it, you got your huddle. If he says, I'm not so sure, just move on to a next guy. Yeah, but at least you have clarity, right? That's good. So you're strategic in business. You're st- strategic maybe in, in sports if you've played you know, collegiate sports or something. Be strategic in friendship. It's awesome. Man, that's so good. You know, for any guy that's listening, I imagine you're listening to this episode because you really do want to be the leader of your home. You want to lead your family well. And I, oftentimes I just spoke, I was at a men's conference and I, I talk about this all the time. I've written about this, but God all throughout the scripture is calling men into things that scares them, that scared them for his glory, which is why all hundreds of times he says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And so if you're listening to what Jeff is saying and you feel that tug, man, maybe by God's sovereignty, he had you listen to this episode. And now's the time where he's calling you into something scary, where he would look at you and say, son, I know this is scary, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And as you step into these kind of real friendships, you become more of a son of God, confident son of God. I'm loved by the father and I don't need to find my identity at work or my accomplishments or my bank account or anything else. I can just be secure in my love of the father. And as a result, you're a better husband, you're a better father, friend, disciple, all of it. So um, Jeff, this was so good, man. So, so good. I wish we had more time to hang out and talk, but you've given some really, really good resources. We'll link those in the show notes, but man, I, any final word just as a, as a man who's trying to encourage men to lead their families well and to be the men God's called them to be, I'll just give you the, the last word here. I would urge guys to create a simple pattern in every single day of their life from this point forward. And this is not performance. This is inviting God to be in charge of your life. And you'll see a dramatic difference in everything from how do you pray? How do you read the Bible? How do you do marriage today? How do you father your kids? What things should I focus on in work? And how should I handle the hardest things, including the blitzes? This is something I practice. And I haven't done it my whole life. It's just the last several years. First thing when you wake up, do not go to the phone. Mm. Don't turn on your iPad and don't even sprint to the gym so you can get your workout in. Give yourself five minutes. There's times where I give myself two or three minutes. Give yourself five minutes to just go sit on the back porch, looking outside in a private chair in your house, somewhere quiet. You can do it walking if you feel like it's 
nature and it's not going to distract you by looking at the neighbor's cars and stuff. Five minutes to just sit with your father, God, and say, thank you Mm. that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you that you've adopted me as your son. Thank you that you give me my identity, unconditional love. You give me your approval. You delight in me. And thank you that you've given me a calling. I'm the only husband my wife has. I'm the only dad my kids have. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. I'm an imperfect jacked up dude, but you put me on earth for a purpose. And I'm on my way to this eternal kingdom thing. I want your help living that way. Just sit with the father, soak in his fatherhood, be clear on your identity, and then say, Father, I want to receive from you, not just my identity, but your guidance, your inspiration, your step-by-step game plan all day long. If you have that five minutes of prayer and just sitting with the Father each morning, if you're going to have a quiet time, it's going to be 10 times better. If you're going to go work out, your mind won't be on the girls on the treadmill next to you. If you're going to run to work real quick, uh, you've already calibrated, man, I need the Lord to walk with me and guide me. And I want to be receiving my thoughts today from him. I call that the receive principle, Jared. Mm -hmm. So I would say leave behind men, ask God to show you what is the receive principle of receiving everything from the father, first your identity, and then your guidance every day. Jesus said, I don't say or do anything my father doesn't give me. I'm only about his glory. And he and I are always at work together. When if Jesus needed that receive principle and that guidance from the father, Jared, Jeff, and all the other dudes listening really need it. And it's a great invitation. I think that will guide you even towards forming the friendships we just talked about here. Father, I want to receive your guidance to figure out who are the dudes. Do I know them already well? Or am I supposed to start something up with that particular guy? How do I do it? I need to trust you. Receive it from the Father. Start your days off like that, okay? As dads, don't do this alone. And that that's what you're mission is about. That's what my mission. I'm an ambassador for fatherhood at the Fatherhood Commission. And we have all sorts of partners doing tons of different pieces of the fathering ministry at fatherhoodcommission.org. And we're saying, get some help first from some friends, your huddle. And secondly, from some mentors and coaches and teachers and trainers and fathering organizations, marriage organizations, husbanding. Don't walk along, guys. Let's be a team. Jeff, you've you've pointed us back to the gospel, bro, and you've you've pointed us back to Jesus, and uh, and it's truly been an honor to to hang out with you. And I personally feel closer to Jesus as a result of just spending some time with you. So thank you, appreciate your time. Thanks, you had a good spirit. I love the purpose of uh, this conversation. And let me pray for the guys. Father, every guy listening is on his own journey to really get to know the Father fully and let mm-hmm. Jesus take over. And we would pray that every guy would not fear giving you full ownership of his life. You're a way better owner than Jeff or Jared or any guy listening. So help us to give ownership of our life over to you. Let you father us, Mm. uh, receive your guidance from the very first second we wake up every day and form the friendships, the camaraderie, the huddle, uh, the teamwork that you want for us in the spirit of Jesus. Two great things, God, take away fear in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. You know, uh, one last question here. There's a lot of wives and moms who sneak into the show and who listen. Is there something you'd want to say to the wives in order to encourage their husbands to find these kind of relationships? 
I would pray if I was a wife. I would pray if I was a mom. And I know my my wife has prayed for years for my son's future wives. And we pray for them to have close friends Mm. and even mentors that are easily accessible and guiding them to walk with Christ in the word. So I think, first of all, a wife or a mom ought to be praying for her man to want, know it's possible, and develop these friendships, okay? And then as far as advice, plant the seed that you deserve friendship. Plant the seed that you deserve some time to go hang with your buddy. Set your man free because a lot of guys feel guilty and the wife isn't trying to put it on them, but the guy's feeling guilty. Gosh, if I do anything other than work, coach Little League and be home for dinner, you know, by 630, I'm messing up. And yeah, hey, your guys want to take a trip to, you know, Puerto Vallarta and go fishing. No, maybe you're going to pass on that for a week. But your guys, you know, want to get together and have a barbecue at someone's house and it's going to lead to some conversations. Or there's a guy that you like to hike with and you know it'll lead to some conversations and friendship. Then, man, a wife ought to be encouraging your husband to go connect with your friend, deepen your friendship. You deserve that. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just having the courage as a husband and wife to just say those things. Like, listen, if I imagine there's a lot of wives who are just like, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm, especially for those, we got so many young families listening. Just like, I don't know how we could squeeze in time and now you just want to go golf. Like, that must be nice. I don't, (laughs) I don't get to go out with the girls and just go do whatever you want. You just want to go golf or you want to go play, whatever you want to go do, whatever. And, but I think if there's just honest conversation, where a wife could say, listen, I don't want to hold you back from godly relationships, but I have to know that you're going to, if you're going to go out and you're going to invest some time into these other things, that there's some intentionality behind it. And for a man to say, listen, I'm going to, maybe I'll go shoot some guns or shoot some hoops or whatever the thing is, but I am going to be intentional because I want to be a better man of God. And I want to be a better husband and father. So there's just some openness about like, and and some definition about what's going on so that expectations aren't being met or mis understood or, you know, things aren't, aren't being said that will well, be bitterness. My, I quit golf because of raising my boys and the time mm-hmm. it took. Mm-hmm. And then later after we raised them and they were mostly, you know, high school stuff, my wife would occasionally tell me, go ahead, go hang with that guy that just invited you to play golf. She knew it wasn't going to steal my life anymore. She set me free after I showed her the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But I think I would say this to wives, Encourage your husband that he deserves to have a deep friend. He needs to have a deep friend. He needs the benefit of a guy who knows him and he knows where he can process life together. You need a dude that you can talk to. If you're saying that sort of thing, you don't have to say, don't play golf for five hours. Go meet a Christian friend and pray for an hour. You don't have to say that, which isn't going to go over well anyway. Right. But just paint the picture. You deserve a deep friend. And my friend, Mike, the pastor, something about friendship came up and his wife said, you don't have friends. He said, I got a thousand friends and I got a hundred that I could go deep with in a minute. She said, none of them know what's going on in your life and none of, and you don't know what's going on in their life. Therefore, they are not your friend. Mm. They're acquaintances, they're peers, they're associates, Mm. but you don't have friends like that. My friend became self-aware, accepted the objective input from his wife instead of getting mad at her. And he intentionally went out and developed a couple key friendships, Mm. actually wrote a great book called friendship for the broken. And he has developed a consistent, deep friendship 
over the years. Mm. Um, so Pastor Mike up in Chicago, I'm trying to remember how to say it. it's wood. Uh, I'll get it later. But his wife challenged him. Wives are good at she, that. <laughs> she wanted him to have deep friendship yeah. Yeah. and just said, you don't. Right. So go enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That is a gift. All right, man. Well, thank you for letting me right. pick your brain. This is good stuff, man. I really, really, yep. really appreciate it. Tell guys to uh, contact me at uh, menhuddle.com. Okay. They can download this free playbook. They can share it with their guys, share it with whoever they want. I'm praying that tons of deep friendship and huddles would develop. Yeah, me too. Okay? Me too. Thank you, brother. Right. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was helpful for you on your journey of becoming more like Jesus. Do want to remind you that we have two ways for you to get connected with other dad tired guys. One, you can go to dadtire.com forward slash community and find other guys near you. So if you want to meet up with local dad tired guys, go to dadtire.com forward slash community and put your name on the map or look for other guys whose names are already on the map near you. And then you can also jump into our online community. You'll see that tab there also on dadtire.com forward slash community. You can jump into the online group, find other like-minded guys who are discussing the podcast, what it looks like to be husbands, fathers, disciples, really good, solid group of guys over there. So we hope you get plugged in. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.